Hey guys, Michael here with WeddingVideographySchool.com. Hope you guys are having a great week. I know I am. Um, yeah, hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. I'm recording this the day after Christmas. It's funny, I'd actually recorded this episode prior um, to the holiday, um, but I <laughs> made a mistake um, with one of my recorders and ac accidentally deleted my recording. So here I am again recording the same episode. So uh, I am recording this uh, podcast episode on the uh, Tascam DR100 Mark III uh, in combination with a Rode NTG3 uh, shotgun microphone. It is a super cardioid microphone, uh, very directional. I basically have this thing pointed right at my mouth. Uh, if I move it away from my mouth, you will see very quickly that, uh, see that? Yeah, I move it away from my mouth and now you can't really hear me as well. You can still hear me a little bit, but there we go. Now it's right back in front of me. So um, this is a great microphone to use for interviews. If you guys ever do interviews, um, it's and if you don't want to like put a microphone on your talent or on, let's say maybe you're doing like an on camera read, like a bride and groom, like maybe they're reading letters to each other or something. Um, if you have an assistant with you, um, you can actually have the, this is have your assistant hold this microphone just out of frame, um, and get a really great, clean, natural sounding recording without having to put a mic on anybody. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend, uh, the, uh, Rode NTG3. Um, I did a little post on Instagram the other day at wedding videography school. You guys can follow us there. Um, about the difference between the Tascam DR Mark III and Tascam DR40 price-wise. And honestly, while I like the, 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 the DR100 Mark III, it's $400. And the Tascam DR40, you can buy brand new for $40. So, um, or not $40. <laughs> you can buy for $130. Um, and I think the Tascam DR40, honestly, is really, really good. The preamps in the DR40 aren't as good as the DR100 Mark III. Um, but honestly, like, we're, we're doing weddings here. Um, we're not doing commercial films. So I would say the DR40 is going to be fine for 99% of wedding videographers out there. Um, and if you pair it with an NTG3, I mean, it's going to sound really, really good. So save yourself the money unless you want like a super, super uh, quiet recording. Um, and when I say quiet recording, I just mean the uh, level of noise in the background that's created by the recorder is like almost nothing. Um, basically here, I'm going to go silent real quick and everything that you can hear in this recording um, I'd say like 99.9% .9 of it of that noise is being generated by the room that I'm sitting in. So take a listen. Yeah, that's just like room noise. Like this recorder is awesome because you really can't, the, the DR100 Mark III is crazy because you really just don't get hard, like really any introduce noise from the recorder itself, which is pretty cool. Um, the DR40, you get a little more, a little more noise with that. But, uh, again, most people aren't going to notice 
And, uh, yeah, so, um, it's, it, it's probably worth saving, saving the money and putting the money towards, uh, something else. Uh, like maybe the black magic pocket cinema camera 4k, which I am super obsessed with right now, even though I don't have one, I might have to, uh, might just have to go on eBay and, uh, pay like $500 more for one than I should because, uh, you, you really can't get them anywhere. They're just totally out of stock everywhere. So, um, yeah, I had a great Christmas, although my wife was sick. Um, my son was, uh, sick too with the flu. So, I was basically playing the role of uh, butler. Um, I've spent basically the last week just like doing everything, like taking the kid to school, picking him up, um, getting him ready for bed, making all his meals, doing all this stuff at the same time, like making food for my wife and like um, just trying to take care of her the best I can. So it's just been, it's been a little crazy. And to be honest, I'm super tired. And also I've got like crazy cabin fever cause I've been in this house for like, uh, well, I'm pretty much always in this house cause I work here, but, um, <laughs> this, uh, over the holidays, it, it usually gets worse cause, um, we were supposed to go up to Denver and see family and stuff, but we canceled that trip. So I've basically spent like 90% of my time in this like 1500 square foot house. So, uh, that can get a little, a little tiring after a while, but all in all things are good. Um, yeah. So I already talked about the DR 100 Mark three, blah, 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 the NTG three, um, great microphone, by the way, it's not going to get rid of every, you know, side sound, the side, the sounds on the side over here, you're still going to hear a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's still just a really cool microphone. So, um, I kind of, sorry, I'm getting some text messages here. Um, wife wants to know if I'm picking up our son. Of course I am. Of course I'm a good husband. Um, so yeah, it's, I like to be able to give you guys a different, like hear what these microphones and recorders sound like. Um, alrighty. So I've got questions from Bryce. Bryce, you wrote to me on 12, 11, 18, and you had multiple questions. I had answered some some of your previous questions, but sometimes when I get these emails that have a bunch of questions in them, uh, I just think, oh my God, it's going to take me 30 minutes to type a response. I might as well just turn this into a podcast episode. So that's what I'm going to do with your questions, Bryce. Um, let's see here. Let's just jump right into this. Uh, Bryce wants to know, what is the best way to grow a videography business? I, uh, oh, here we go. Would you suggest specializing in one area such as weddings or would you branch out if the projects presented themselves, maybe pro business, promotional films, sports highlights, etc. Um, okay. So here's, here's the answer that popped to my head, like sprung to my head immediately. The number one way to grow your wedding videography business is to show up, work hard and give your clients an awesome product. You, if you do those three things, show up, work hard, and deliver an awesome product to your clients, you are gonna get more work. Um, there's just no doubt about it. You are gonna get more work. Now, if you show up and do that one time, are you gonna get more work? Maybe. But if you show up multiple times, are you gonna get more work? Yes, you will. 
eventually there's going to be a bride who recommends you to her friend or somebody is going to see their video and say, who did that video? I want to hire that person. That's how I got started. That's how almost everybody out there gets started. Um, we talked about Sohi Productions. Uh, we had Sohi uh, Productions on the podcast a few episodes back. Go, go and check that out if you guys didn't listen to it. Um, and she basically has shot, I can't remember how many weddings she shot. She's got like, I, she had some insane amount of weddings booked in like, uh, I don't know. And within a year, she had like 30 plus weddings booked or something crazy. And I was just like, God, that's, that's like crazy. Like, I thought my business grew fast and I did not have anywhere near the number of weddings uh, that she has booked, but she was pretty active on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But, but still like if you do good work, people are going to seek you out to do it. So my number one tip is like, seriously go out, show up, work hard. If you say you're going to, you know, do something, do it. Um, I think a lot of people, say like there's still like I'm always surprised at the number of people that still um over promise and under deliver like it's so it's such a weird thing that people do that I can't really wrap my head around it um and I think most of the people that over promise and under deliver are actually people who aren't really that great at what they do. So in order to compensate for them not being very good at what they do, um instead of going out and practicing, putting in the time, um, you know, maybe working at a lower, a lower price or something and really getting the practice time in to perfect what they're doing. They'll instead, Oh, just over promise stuff. Right. And they'll do, they'll just say things that make what they're saying too good to be true. And we all know what that leads to, right? If it's too good to be, if it sounds too be good, too good to be true, it probably is. And so, um, I think, I think those people are setting themselves up for failure, but I know that that's not what you're doing, Bryce. Um, you are going out, you're practicing. Uh, and here's the thing. If you want to go out and shoot some highlight videos for sports teams, or you want to do business promotional videos, that's cool. Like I did that stuff when I first started. Um, it helped me transition full time into weddings. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, don't do that. Um, I will say, you need to make sure that you prioritize what you want to do. So if you want to shoot weddings, then don't, don't spend too much time doing the sports stuff or music videos or business promo videos or whatever. Do weddings. Um, on the flip side, if you want to do sports videos, then you're not going to want to prioritize weddings. You're going to want to make sh- like if you need to shoot some weddings to make ends meet, that's fine. But um, as time as time goes on and you start booking more and more sports stuff, um, that's what you want to be showcasing. That's what you want to be sharing with people. If you're trying to get away from weddings or if you're trying to get away from sports, then you don't want to put those things that you're trying to get away from on your website or be sharing those on social media and stuff because then people are going to come to you wanting wanting the stuff that you may not want to do. Um, so, yeah. And here's the other thing. I would always specialize. Like my thing is like be be specialized. Like pick something and it doesn't mean that you can't like doing two things. I like music videos. I'd love to make music videos. Um but if I were to start a business making music videos, I would not put the music videos on my wedding website, right? On my films about love page. Um 
I see that all the time with people. People go out and they're like, I've got this wedding videography website. And, but there's also a section at the top for like commercial video projects or whatever. I get that it's easier when you can just manage one website and have everything on one site. But people, especially like discerning people who have money that they want to spend, uh, I'd say they're more attracted to like a specialty. Um, there's this great, I think Ramit Sethi, you can look him up, um, on like YouTube or whatever. He's the guy with like, he's, he, what's it called? He's got like this technique. Oh, he calls it the briefcase technique. If you Google briefcase technique and Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, you can look up some of his other videos. He's got this, he does this, he, I can't remember where it's at. I think it's like a Chase Jarvis live episode where he actually talks to Chase Jarvis, who's a, a, photographer, um, about this very thing, specializing, right? You want to specialize in whatever niche you're in, right? So, um, if you're doing weddings, how, how about this example? I think the example that he gives is let's say you're a photographer and you want to shoot photos of babies and kids. Um, who do you like, what do you think the mom who just had a newborn is going to be looking for in a photographer. If she has two options, let's say she looks up a guy and he specializes in landscape photography, architectural photography, family photos, and weddings. Okay, that's one option. And then she looks up some girl that specializes in newborns from uh, three months to 12 months. Who do you think the mom is going to choose? Is she going to go with the person that also shoots architectural photography? No, she's going to go. I mean, maybe listen, obviously it could happen if that person's photos are better, right? I'm sure that's the case sometimes, but in general, let's say all things being even, she's going to go with the person who specializes in what she's looking for. Um, and I think the same is true with music videos, um, sports highlights, uh, whatever weddings. I, I just, you can do multiple things. I just say create two separate websites for those things. Um, that's, that's what I would do. Um, let's see. Do you ever contract slash hire anybody else to edit or help film? Uh, I think on one of your podcasts, you mentioned you did like 40 weddings or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did not do 40 weddings yet. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to hit my 40 uh, weddings goal this year, maybe next year. And I don't know, that might even be a little crazy. I did 33 this year and I was kind of tired by the end of it. I did 36 last year and I wasn't as tired by the end of it. So I don't know what to make of that, but, um, I do hire assistants. I have basically three levels of people that I hire. I've got assistants. Um, I've got, um, second shooters and the, other kind of person that I would hire is contractor. So my assistants, um, are the people who I hire to come carry gear, like man a cam camera during ceremony, maybe man a second camera during toasts or something super basic stuff. I really don't ask them to do very much. Um, they have a lot of downtime. A lot of my assistants spend time on their phones, which maybe I should not 
and let that happen as much as I do. But um, yeah, and that's just a pretty, a pretty simple job. Um, second shooter is a little more hands-on. That person I'll trust to go out and shoot exterior shots, um, get scenery shots of wherever we're at, um, establishing shots, etc. Um, depending on their skill level, if they have like a commercial drone license, I might let them go out and do drone stuff. Um, yeah, they tend to be a little bit more involved. I expect them to go shoot cocktail hour and get me good fit video of people laughing, um, talking, drinking, etc. Um, so there's a little more, a little more pressure on my second shooters to perform well, but they also get paid more. Um, and then the third level, third kind of tier of people that I, I would hire, um, and I don't have anybody right now. So that's another thing I need to focus on this year is getting, um, some contractors working for me. Um, but basically this is like a 70, 30 split sort of a deal or 80, 20 split, um, depending on talent level, meaning, um, I'll book you the wedding. You go out, shoot the wedding, edit the wedding and deliver it back to me. And I will give you, um, 70 to 80% of what, uh, I sold the wedding for. Um, so yeah, those are my three kind of tiers of people. Um, but in general, you know, if you're asking me, do I do a lot of work myself? I absolutely do a ton of work myself. Um, you know, I'm self-employed. I, I don't know what I would really be doing if I wasn't doing this, um, probably something in real estate. Um, but the stuff I want to do in real estate takes a lot of capital. So right now my, my main focus is trying to make as much money as possible and save as much money as possible. And one of the ways that I do that is by cutting my costs where I can. So I don't have any full-time employees or anything like that. Um, although I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to it. So, um, if you guys are really good and want to live in Colorado and shoot weddings, um, let me know, shoot me an email at Michael at wedding videography school.com. Um, okay. What else? What else? What else? Uh, he says he's got a great career if he chooses to keep going in his current career, which is not wedding videography. Um, he says it's tough to see myself doing wedding videography full time. Be seems exhausting unless I delegated a lot of the editing. Um, how do you make sure you're still making a decent income? And you have to put a lot of crap or a ton of crap. Oh, a crap ton of trust in that person. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard to, I wouldn't say it's hard to find editors as much as it's hard because there's a lot of online editing companies now where you can send footage to. And they actually like, there's a few places that seem to churn out some pretty good videos. Um, but yeah, you know, with what I'm delivering to my clients, I'm delivering, delivering the full ceremony. I'm also delivering all the raw footage that's completely organized and categorized by um, you know, bride prep, groom prep, cocktail hour, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if the other comp, I don't know if those editing companies would do that stuff. Maybe they would, I guess I got to look into that, but, um, I guess his question is basically, he basically his question is how do you make sure you're still making a decent income? Um, that's part of it, man. Like this industry is so fragmented in terms of like a lot of the people who are in this industry kind of want to work for themselves. Um, it's like, why, why go out and work for someone else if you're really talented when you can 
just work for yourself. Now, at the same time, I could tell you of like 10 or 20 videographers that I've met throughout the years who probably shouldn't have been working for themselves, right? Because they don't, they don't uh, get their work done on time. It takes them a year to deliver videos to their clients. Um, you know, they don't necessarily <clears throat> have the skills to get all the bookings that they need to sustain themselves. So there's plenty of videographers out there who try to make it on their own um, and run their own and be self-employed. And to be honest, they're, they're, some of them are really good at what they do. They're just not cut out to uh, be self-employed. They're cut out to actually um, have a boss show up to work 40 hours a week and be told what to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's just a personality thing. Uh, I know that I'm not like that or I don't really consider myself to be like that. Although I could do that if I needed to. Like if I needed to just to have a regular job, I'd be a fantastic employee. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really enjoy working for other people all that much. Um, he says, I don't see myself living both the corporate life and entrepreneurial life. I feel like it's got to be one or the other. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, like, there's no, you hear people talk about side hustles all the time, man. Like, you can have a side hustle. There's nothing wrong with that. I, um, I know people who, who work a full-time job, but then they've got this thing they do on the side that brings in extra income. I think that's, to that extent, you don't really need to choose between one or the other. Um, but if you're talking like maybe, maybe on a higher level in terms of like what you want to do with your life or maybe what you feel like you're calling or whatever you want, your passion or whatever you want to call it in life, your drive, that thing that you just like want to do. If you're talking about that, yeah, I think it's got to be one or the other. You either got to be working a job or you got to be um, the one you know, creating the jobs or creating the work for yourself. Um, I can tell you from my own experience, and this is just me, right? Um, I worked for other people and I always felt like, um, people weren't really, um, sorry, I forgot to text my wife back. So I just had to respond to her real quick. I felt like when I was working at a job, um, I had a lot of great ideas that were not taken seriously. And I get it. Like at the time, my, my priority wasn't the bottom line. It wasn't making money for the business that I was working for. But it was my priority was always to improve the product. Uh, when I worked in TV news, I was always thinking of ways to improve the product and, you know, what if we did things this way or what if we used this equipment instead of the stuff that we are using, we could do these things, blah, blah, blah. And there was always like pushback or no, here's why we would never do that. Here's blah, 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 blah. And it was always kind of like, okay, but it was mostly, it was mostly like, well, this is the way we've always done it. That was kind of always like the, when you really got down to it, that was like the response. And I really got tired of that. Like, this is the way we've always done it. So we're going to keep doing it this way. Like, I don't know. It, it just wasn't what I wanted. And I knew that working for somebody else was just not, um, it, it was, I was never going to be satisfied doing that. And, um, it was hard to know that, but still feel helpless. Like 
I feel like probably a lot of people listening to this podcast who are still working a regular job and you want to work for yourself. I think there's this, um, there's this period of time where you feel helpless because once you discover that, Oh, this is, I'm not supposed to be working for someone else. I'm supposed to be doing my thing the way I want to do it. Once you figure that out and you know that to be true, you feel stuck. Like I, there was like, I, I had this inkling for a long time, like several years before I got out of news that if I could work for myself, wouldn't that be so cool? Um, and I remember sitting in my car at night on lunch breaks and like, think of like, I was my early twenties, like kids my age were not working at nine o'clock at night. They were off work and they were out partying with their friends. Like here I am in my like young twenties missing out on life because I've got this crappy job at a TV news station, which some people thought was cool. But at the end of the day, here I am working for $11 an hour at a news station. Um, well, my life was passing me by. I had friends, I had a girlfriend, I had people that I never really got to see because I was at work from 2 to 11 p.m. Um, so when everybody else was getting off work, I didn't get off work until almost midnight when everybody else was going to bed. So um, that that was rough. And I remember sitting in the parking lot at, during one of my lunch breaks and talking to my buddy Chuck and just being like, dude, like, I just want to work for myself. I know I could be good at, if I was working for myself. Like, I know I could do a good job. I know, like, I could be successful. Like, I just don't, but I don't know how to do it because I, like, I was in this place where I was making 11 bucks an hour, you know, and it was depressing and I felt stuck. Um, but, you know, I got my first DSLR camera and I got a glide cam and I went out and I shot some montage weddings. That's what I call them. It was just, it was just literally like no real audio, just montage of video from the wedding day on a glide cam over, you know, a song. Like it was just B-roll over a song. And that's how I started out. And once I did that, I started booking more weddings and eventually got to a place where it was like, I got to that jumping off point where it was like, Ooh, uh, I want to do like, I want to, I was, I remember I, my first year, I was like, if I could just get 15 weddings booked, like I would make basically what I'm making working in TV news. And that's when I had a lower starting price. Um, so it was like, I could just shoot I told my, my wife who, who was my girlfriend back then. I was like, I could, like, what do you think about this? Like, if I just could book 15 weddings, like, I'd make what I make at the news station in a year by just shooting 15 weddings. And she was like, I laid out my plan, and she was all about it. She, I think she was a little nervous, but she's like, if anyone can do it, I think you can. And uh, if you want to live with me while you try to do this, then let's do it. And so um, that's what happened. So... I know that sometimes it can feel like a balancing act or you can find yourself in a really discouraged spot um, trying to figure out how to make that transition. But ultimately, um, it's, it's doable. And 
you may not be able to start out at the top. You might watch um, videos of videographers who you think are awesome. And it may not be possible for you to start at that place, right? Because you may not have all the equipment you need, or you may not have the experience you need, or you may not have, you may not have even solidified what kind of style you want, right? And that can be hard. It can be hard to, to not have all that stuff from the beginning, but you shouldn't let that stop you. So I don't know, man, Bryce, I hope this, I hope this helps you out a little bit and I'm sorry it took me so long to get this episode out. Um, I feel like I left you hanging there, but, um, yeah, if you guys have questions like Bryce, please, please, please send them to me at wedding videography school, uh, or <laughs> send them to me at Michael at wedding videography school.com. That's M I C H A E L. And, uh, or if you just have topics, maybe you don't have a question, but you want to hear about a specific topic, please shoot me an email. Let me know what you guys want to hear about. Cause I could sit here and drone on for a really long time about stuff that you guys don't want to listen to. Um, and I'd rather that you guys tell me what you want. Um, this podcast is for you guys. It's not for me to just sit here and uh, blow wind. So until next time, guys, later.